The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, And do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be? For I have no relations with a man. And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to your Lord Jesus Christ. The memorial that we celebrate today, the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, the principal feast, in no small measure, of this month of the Holy Rosary has a remarkable history about it in its connection to the victory that was won over the Turks at the Battle of Lepanto, a victory that was preceded by a call that went forth from the Holy Father to the entire church in Europe to pray the Rosary. And while there was not a universal response to that call, there was a large and widespread response to it. And the faithful gathered in churches in large numbers to call upon the intercession of Our Lady for the defense of the faith, the defense of the church. The victory was won, and originally this date was marked celebrating Our Lady under the title of Our Lady of Victory. But over the years, it became important to recognize the means by which that victory was won. 
And so the shift to Our Lady of the Rosary. And that shift has been both a good and a bad thing, as changes often can be. In that, on the one hand, it forces us to look at the rosary and to see its power as a form of prayer. And yet, on the other hand, if we're not careful, it gives us the wrong starting point for understanding the rosary. Because the rosary, while it has an element and a real power of effectiveness when we call upon the Lord seeking his help through Our Lady, is not primarily about that kind of a victory. The secret of the rosary, as St. Louis de Montfort would say, is a secret of a different kind. It is not a secret that begins with, if you want your prayers answered, use this tool. It's really good. That's a fine reason to pick up the rosary, but it is not, and I stress that, even close to being the best reason. And so if we really want to understand the greatness of the feast day, we have to lay aside the lamentable tendency today to promote the rosary in terms of answered prayers. Not that those are bad things, but note where the focus is. I'm going to get what I want. And it's not bad to ask for what I want. It is not bad to ask for what I need. It is a sign that honors heaven by calling upon the aid of heaven. But that's not the best way to turn to heaven. The secret of the rosary, the victory that the rosary really is designed to bring, is a victory that St. Louis de Montfort identifies in the title of his little book on the rosary, which is, in the French, the and you got to love it, he multiplies words. The admirable secret of the most holy rosary. He's not done yet. So that's just the first part of the title. The admirable secret of the most holy rosary. So it's, an ad, it's admirable, it's a secret, it's about the rosary, but apparently not just any rosary, the most holy rosary. But in the title, he tells us what the secret is. The, the admirable secret of the most holy rosary, so that one may convert and be saved. That's a little different than simply saying, defend us from our enemies, isn't it? That's a little different. That digs a little deeper than simply saying, our nation or our world need help. The secret of the rosary, the primary purpose of the rosary, the real greatness of the rosary, is not how powerful it is when we pray seeking help. It's how powerful it is as an engine for the transformation of the believer's heart so that one might convert and be saved. A secret ordered to the salvation of your soul, a secret ordered to the conversion of your heart and my heart. And why? Because that's the victory that matters. That's the grace that matters. Our Lady, filled with grace, is filled with grace. Why? For the sake of the salvation of the world. 
And so as we gather on this Feast of the Rosary, it is important to recognize what it is we celebrate. On the one hand, we recognize that victorious power that the Rosary can obtain for us when in our need we pray together and call upon help. But it has a deeper and greater victorious power. The power that even when one is alone at home praying the Rosary, that when it's prayed well, it has a singularly effective power to shape and transform the heart. And why would that be the case? Because of how the rosary is made. Not because of what the rosary does, but because of how the rosary is made. Note the prayers that make up the rosary. There are only two. Our confused modern age has forgotten that. There are only two prayers that are necessary for the rosary. And now you're looking at me saying, Father, but the pamphlet has so many. <laughs> but I grew up saying so many. What do you mean there's only two? I mean there's only two. The only two prayers that are essential to the rosary, everything else is optional, are our fathers and Hail Marys. Boy, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Everything else is there simply as a tool to help us pray the rosary better. But they're all optional. The creed, the initial Our Father and Hail Marys, even the Glory Be is technically optional. The prayers at the end, what we say at the ends of the decades, it's all optional. That doesn't mean it's bad. But it is a reminder that we have to focus on the essential. We never want to lose the essential in the sea of the optional. Otherwise, we're like that person who has all of the paintings and the plants and the decorations for the house picked out, but the walls haven't been built yet. Our fathers and Hail Marys. And why those? Because those two prayers, unlike all of the other ones, come directly from God. The Our Father is the prayer that Jesus himself gives us. The Hail Mary is not composed by any earthly author. It is spoken on earth first by the heavenly lips of Gabriel. And so note the prayers. The prayer of the heart of Jesus Christ and the prayer which contains the words by which salvation has come into the world. And when one prays those well and rests in those prayers, we begin to speak to God in God's own language, not ours. Now, isn't it funny? We grow up saying, pray, you know, everybody tells us, pray in your own words. And yet, while that's not bad, it's a good thing to also pray in heaven's words and to let heaven's words teach me how to form my own words. And so note, the beating heart of the rosary. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And what happens because of those words? Literally, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. So note that the rosary is a prayer whose heartbeat, whose drumbeat, 
is the coming of the Savior into the world. In Mary, through Mary, with Mary, and by Mary. And we turn to her with those words. Those words that are more pleasing to her ears and her heart than any other prayer we can say to her. Because that's the prayer by which God won her heart. Anything I make up and compose, it might be good, but it's not that good. And so note, we turn and speak to Our Lady, lisping in the heavenly tones of the angel and the words that God gave the angel to say. How will she not draw near? How will she not be pleased to hear those words? But before we say them, note what we do. Our Father who art in heaven, we drink in the spirit of the prayer of Jesus. And having drunk in the spirit of the prayer of Jesus, we begin to speak in the key of heaven. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. That soothing repetition, which is not mere repetition, it's the way we keep count and the way we mark time in the rosary. And so note, how long do we meditate on the mysteries? For the space of ten Hail Marys. We mark time that way. However faster I say, or slowly I say the Hail Mary, is how long I am meditating. But note what we're really saying then. The word becoming flesh is controlling the pace. The coming of salvation into the world is controlling the tempo. I'm beginning to move as well according to the time of God. My heart begins to beat according to the rhythm of the beating of his heart. And that brings us to the third element of the rosary. Because the rosary only consists in three things in its essence. And if you think I'm making that up, in the official book from the Vatican giving the indulgence for praying the rosary, only three things are necessary. Our Fathers, Hail Marys, and meditating on the mysteries. That's all that is required. Note how simple that is. And the church emphasizes that not to say that the additional prayers or the other things we use are bad, but to remind us that from time to time it is important to declutter our prayer and to focus once again on the truly essential and absolutely necessary. And so note now, our fathers and Hail Marys, but we do something while we say them. We look at the face of Jesus Christ in his mysteries. Note how beautiful that is. We don't consider everything about Jesus all at once, but rather his life unfolds before our eyes, one mystery at a time, as we're praying. And as we're praying to Mary. And why? Because she knows her son better than we do. Because she understands those mysteries much better than we do. So as we call out to her, hail full of grace, and we look at what is happening with her son, when we pray with attention and submission, 
Our Lady can begin to open our eyes and direct our gaze to what is really important so that we can see those things hidden in the life and the mysteries of Jesus that we'd never find on our own. Note how marvelous that is. I pray to her even as I look at him. But before I speak to her, I call out in his voice, Father, who art in heaven. And the rosary then has this wonderful aspect of being not simply physically a chain, but a marvelous, a mighty spiritual chain whose links are those beautiful prayers, Our Fathers and Hail Marys. And why does a chain exist? To bind two things together. And when it's well prayed, the heart and the soul become more intimately bound to the Lord himself. As we gaze upon the Lord, this prayer has a unique power to unite our hearts, to unite our spirits with Jesus himself. How marvelous that is. The chain we know is only as strong as its links. And so note, when we pray with modesty, attention, devotion, and simplicity. And in the faith of our prayer, direct our gaze at him. The links become strong indeed. And the chain, over time, becomes strong indeed. What a marvelous thing. I would think most, if not all, of you are familiar with Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol. This is not me saying it's Christmas in October. But one of the moments in A Christmas Carol is when Scrooge looks at his partner in life, Jacob Marley, and is horrified at the size of the chain that Marley is wearing. A chain of cash boxes and accounting ledgers but it's weighty and it's ponderous and he can barely move and he says it's the chain I forged in life. And it's a horrifying image, this idea of I am bound in the chain I forged in life. A chain of greed, a chain of ambition, a chain of selfishness, a chain of self-seeking. The rosary is the opposite kind of chain. When we forge the chain of the rosary, the chain of devotion through the rosary, we too in the end will appear before the Lord wearing the chain we forged in life. But it will be a chain of humility, a chain of purity, a chain of generosity, a chain of prayerfulness, a chain of goodness, not something that weighs us down and imprisons us, but rather a chain that binds us to the true freedom which is only found in and through Jesus Christ. What a remarkably beautiful thing this is. Why? Because simply put, my friends, we become what we see. And in the case of praying the rosary well, we become who we see. Gazing in faith regularly on Jesus Christ in his mysteries is over time 
to allow ourselves to be shaped and formed into the image of those mysteries. Into the image and according to the likeness of him upon whom we are gazing. He is the best and the greatest example. And as we gaze on him and his mysteries, and remember this the next time you pray your beads, and you slow down at one of the mysteries, and you turn and you begin to look at Jesus in that mystery. Pause a moment. And just see in your imagination for a second that out of that mystery, Jesus also turns and looks at you and sees you from that mystery. Because it always happens. It's not like God doesn't know when we look at him. And to see the Lord is also to be seen by the Lord, to come into his gaze. And when we come into his gaze, he is pleased by his grace to begin shaping us, to begin changing us. It's a marvelous moment of intimacy, that moment where I look at Christ as his mysteries unfold and I see that he is looking at me. And our eyes meet. And I see that I'm not merely a spectator, but somehow he allows me to participate, even now, at this great distance in time, in the marvelous now of his ongoing saving of the world and saving my heart. This is what we celebrate today. Not simply the echo of a military victory one years ago. That's worth celebrating. But even more worth celebrating is this victory by Our Lady's presence of the grace and the person and the mysteries of Christ over the unruly warfare that all too often lives just inside our hearts and our spirits. And what a marvelous thing it is. It's especially wonderful to be able to reflect on this today, here in this place, for two additional reasons. Quietly sitting in the benches here, wondering exactly when it's going to happen, because I haven't told them, is a group of people who've been preparing to make an act of total consecration to Jesus through Mary, here, at this Mass, today. And that will happen a bit later. It will happen after we receive Holy Communion, when we come forward, we who have celebrated Our Lady under this glorious title, Our Lady of the Rosary, we who gather in this garden of prayer will come forward and stretch out our hands. Why? To meet Him who is the reason we are here. And we will take Him into our hearts and our lives. And consider the next time you pray your rosary as the extension of this moment of Holy Communion. The Lord whose life has already been given to you, is already within you, is the one whose face you will be gazing on in his mysteries. And then we will enthrone the Lord in the great mystery of his presence, the Blessed Sacrament, upon this altar. And when the Lord is enthroned upon the altar, be ready with your books, because then I'm going to call you forward. 
to stand before him who comes to you in the sacrament saying, I am all yours and all that I have is yours, that you may stand before him and in making your act of consecration, make a return of that and saying to him, O oh my Jesus, I am all yours and all that I have is yours. Following that, we'll bear the sacrament in procession down to the Shrine Church and throw in the sacrament on the altar there until 3 p.m. that all might have the opportunity to linger in his presence, to gaze upon his face. And in the afterglow of the Holy Communion we receive to simply enjoy and unite our hearts with him. What a beautiful day this is, the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary and the day on which we honor the heart of Christ. And what two things come together so neatly and so beautifully as that. Let us celebrate then with faith, but with a humble and real joyfulness as well. Because today we celebrate victory indeed, not merely a victory over earthly powers and threats, but a victory even over ourselves and a victory over those unruly powers which would knock us off course. We celebrate that great and saving victory, that Jesus Christ who comes to us in Mary, through Mary, by Mary, and in Mary, has won for us and continues winning for us each day and indeed every day. Amen.